Joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore thee. God of glory, God of love, hearts on full life flowers before thee. Healthy as the sun above. Melt the clouds with sin of sadness, drive the doubt of dark away. Give a world in more darkness. Fill us with the light. Fill us with the light. Fill us. Will the light of day? Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of The Front Room. This week on The Front Room, I have a special guest with me today. So it's not just me talking into the ether like it was the last couple of weeks. Um, today's guest is a gentleman called Blades. Now, you may have seen Blades. If you follow me on my Instagram page, on my stories, you will notice that recently I posted up about the photo shoot that I did way, way, way back, 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 back in the midst of like the last lockdown day. That was my photo shoot with the very last day of freedom before we got locked down in November, I think it was. It was November, December, yeah, around then. Okay. November, December. So, way that before him, who is known as Community Penis on this podcast, decided to lock us all down <laughs> for the third time, I did a photo shoot for a site called Recon. For those of you that don't know, Recon is a fetish site specifically aimed at gay and bi men also there was non-binary on there as well so um there was a group of us that did a photo shoot and the reason why the photo shoot this for this magazine was special is because all the models in that photo shoot were men of color yay which is quite how can i put it nicely pioneering strange and unusual for a brand that markets itself at fetish and also is a brand that does marketing specifically games at gay by males that is for dating to push the people of color on their website and their platform forward ahead of the cis white masculine mass for mass males that we all see and not sometimes love that are adorned everywhere in our gay media so today I have another person that featured in that campaign. Not only did he feature in a campaign, but ladies and gentlemen, this is the cover girl of the magazine. Yes, <laughs> cover girl, please. So, cover girl. Uh, say hello to the people at home and introduce yourself. Hello, people at home. I am Blaze Henry, and yeah, what can I say? Um, how shall I introduce myself, Sarah? Should I, I give you questions? Or? 
So what I do, so um, I'm a musician. Um, I'm a classical musician um, and pop musician, uh, but I'm also a marketing and communications consultant as well. So yeah, that's my professional life. But um, yeah, sort of have a, uh, a moonlight as a fetish model. <laughs> I've done a few things for Recon and um, other brands. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Just them, babe. So just say them, list your credits from us. My credits. Yeah, what other brands have you done for within Recon? Good for you. Um, oh, that's putting me on the spot now. I've done a few things. Good yeah, I'll find them to you. I'll find them and send them over. Cool. But yeah, I've done yeah a couple of fetish shoots. Um, but I but through my work as a musician anyway, I've done lots of things on TV and that kind of stuff. So I'm not a stranger in front of the camera. So I, I've done it quite a lot, but, but funny enough, I've never done a podcast. So <laughs> there's always, there's, there's always something new, right? I like to be the one to take their virginity in this room anyway, not in the <laughs> So yeah. Um, so tell the people how your pronouns. I use all the pronouns. I do use he, she, and they. Um, I, officially I say he and they, uh, but, all of my all, all of my girlfriends are either gays they all call me she so <laughs> i kind of use everything but i say officially he and they okay and then so we there's a couple of questions that i asked everybody on the first time round on the podcast um so who is your diva and why <laughs> okay so I'm not going to mention Beyonce because I feel like Beyonce just goes without saying. She's everyone's diva. Everyone like loves mm -hmm. Beyonce. So my outside of that, it's between Mariah and Whitney, and my choice is Whitney. Uh, and I say Whitney just because I think I'm just closer to her music. When I was growing up, the two artists that my mum had on repeat were Lauren Hill and Whitney Houston. And so I think I've just got that in me, and I just know more of her discography and I just think her live performances though just like the way like Whitney can just stand on a stage and just deliver a song and just you, you know just the rapture starts you know <laughs> she just <laughs> she just takes over like emotionally just you know just any live performance you watch with her on YouTube just incredible so yeah for me it's Whitney Houston. Cool so Whitney Houston um that brings us on now to your joyful noise song so it's obviously you know everyone can sing but everyone has that song that no matter what they're feeling makes them feel happy or special. Yeah. Which is your joyful nice song? My joyful song. <laughs> joyful, joyful <laughs> from Sister Act, Sister Act Two, yeah. Cause again, going back to Lauren Hill, oh my god, my mum would just replay. Sister Act 2 in my house. So I've seen that film so many times. Um, so honestly, yeah, just whenever I think about, about, about that song, that song just really joy. It's an iconic moment. I feel like it's just, just black music. Just, yeah, joyful, joyful. Okay, cool. Um, for those of you that want to see Sister Act 2 or who have never seen it, if you've never seen Sister Act 2, I don't know why you're watching this Instagram or uh, listening to this podcast, just go and do it now. Um, Disney Plus, yeah, both Sister Act 1 and Sister Act 2 are now available on Disney Plus for you to stream. So get into it now, people. Let's get a little bit deeper. Let's find out a little bit more about um, don't be scared, it's fine. We're going to ask you the really tough question. Who is your favourite drag, drag race star and why? 
um, from all of the franchises. From all of the franchises. You could say UK, you could say um, US, I don't mind. Um, uh, across everything, it, my number one, without fail, number like, it is Shea Coulee, uh season nine. Um, it, she just is just on a completely different level to other girls. Sorry, season nine, obviously the win of All Stars 5. Shea Coulee, uh, no shade, like, no joke, she is the background on my phone as well. <laughs> into All Stars 5. <laughs> like, that's how obsessed with her I am. I just think no one looks more beautiful, more stunning. Just conceptually, the way she executes her looks, that face, the mug, just everything, it is Shea Um, But I'm also huge fans of Monet Exchange. Um, obviously, you can't, lo- you can't not love Bimini and Pace, I think, from the UK season two that we've just had, like, are both iconic. Um, and actually, shout out to all of the top four, Lawrence and Ahura, I've got massive respect for, and massive shout out to UK season two for a phenomenal season. Um, it really did change the game, um, so much, much love to that entire cast. Uh, and yeah, I think that covers the question. Cool. So I also sent you a, a question that we normally have in the Pride Month. Obviously, our Pride has been pushed back all the way to September. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there somebody in the LGBTQ spectrum that you would like the people at home to know a little bit more about? So a personal hero of yours, someone that you feel does good work, or someone just in the history books that you think should have a spotlight? I'm going to go with history books and I'm going to talk about, um, do you know the trans actor and activist, uh, Veneno? No, teach me. No, okay, because lots of people don't. So last year, HBO released a, uh, a biographical series in six parts called Love Veneno. So if you don't know for the audience at home, um, Love Veneno was a really, really famous transgender woman um, and was kind of basically the first transgender woman to go on into the mainstream in Spain. Um, she appeared on a TV show, I believe in the, ni- in the 90s, and then beca- had a regular segment on this show. Um, and La Veneno goes through a six part series of her entire life, basically from her birth and quite a traumatic childhood, her journey transitioning to how she ended up on that TV show, and then her rise to fame in the 90s um, as basically Spain's first out celebrity that was um, of the trans experience and then um, her unfortunate decline. Um, And she has a really, really tragic story, but basically I thought it was 100% hands down one of the best things I ever saw um last year like up there with i may destroy like it's in my top five of like things that came out last year or during the pandemic that's just like tv and content wise live and is like such a touching heartwarming incredible story and lots of people don't really know anything about her um and she really was a pioneer and super super cool stunning yeah everything so i highly recommend watching love and i know if you haven't it's an incredible series cool so what i'm going to do is in the credits of this episode i will put a link to where you can find it so that people can find it yeah cool don't worry i'll edit this now okay you're ratchet and you're righteous so every week we do a little bit of a pop section pop section called the ratchet and the righteous yeah so i get the guests to pick one person that has been a little bit ratchet this week as in not doing has disapproved has done something that you disapprove of and then someone that's been righteous this week is someone that you want to lift up someone that you want to promote someone that's done something that you think is worthy of people's attention this week in any field okay cool 
Anything. Okay, well, Ratchet, let's just go straight off and say Boris Johnson and Priti Patel. Let's just go, <laughs> go in. <laughs> just because when are they not Ratchet? When are they not doing some sort of fuckery out here? Um, and just, I guess I'm going to spotlight um, just the recent policy on vaccination. So just to, to full disclaimer, I'm vaccinated and I do promote vaccination. I think it, I'm vaccination important, but I do believe it's also a personal choice. Um, and I've got a huge issue with the making compulsory, particularly for young people to enter nightclubs, just does not make any fucking sense. Um, and there is a fine line between encouraging for obviously good reason and for protection and coercion and forcing people to do something. And the way that they are legislating at the moment is effectively forcing people to get COVID passports. And I disagree with that. I think people should get vaccinated, but I think it should be a personal choice and they shouldn't, um, uh, uh, blah, 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 words, uh, remove people's freedoms and the ability to do things. So, um, uh, or have basically lose their, their right to freedom as a result of not being vaccinated. That's what I was trying to get across. I think that's really problematic. Um, and I, especially the, the knock-on effect that it's, and disproportionate effect it's going to have on young people who are obviously t it's taking much longer for them to get vaccinated um, because of the way that it's been rolled out. Um, yeah, I've got a huge number of issues with that. And then just pretty Patel, just like the shame that woman brings to our lives. <laughs> but, well, no, yeah, every week. On podcast to mention either one of those two people. Uh, Pretty Patel, yeah. as we know, it's, this is the thing about enacting policies that will disproportionately affect black people or people of colour in general, Yeah, especially when it comes to something as big as immigration issues or issues with the police. If you get a nice smiling person that has a brown complexion, they can always stand back and say, well, we're not racist because the person that's doing it is an ethnic minority. But we all know there is colorism, there is racism in our, our communities between different ethnic minorities, even of people of the same colour skin, skin tone as we are. Such is life. Pretty Patel is the, the epitome of someone that I do not want my children to know ever existed in life, but such is life, she is here. What could we do? Yeah, I mean, what are the sayings? Not all skin folk are kin folk. Mm -hmm. You know, the list goes on. And, you know, ultimately, you know, Pretty Patel is the ultimate children horse for white people. Um, that, you know, she has embodied white supremacy in every single facet and is basically doing the white man's work. And you know what, if you want to continue this, like more power to you, but you know, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna come back at you in some way. And so, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Pretty, Kemi, they're both to me the same thing, like it's one of the same. Oh, Kemi as well. <laughs> Those braids, girl, but I'm not going to go there. I'm I always, say, I always say on this podcast, yeah, <laughs> I always say, you always tell black people and where they sit by their hair, yeah? Because when you look at her braids, you know that another black person mm. will touch her head, yeah? That's why she's mm. on TV looking like such. Anyway, yeah, we move. And when yeah, it comes to um, nightclubs, have... It's very suspicious that the week that they announced the policy that we would have passports for going places such as theme parks and nightclubs and anything that is to do with youth entertainment is in the week that they launch Freedom Week. So you get a little taste of what we've not had for months and months and months. And then they said, aha, in order for you to keep mm. the taste of what we've not had, you're going to have to go and get double vaccinated, even though we've left 
people that would be in nightclubs and theatres and stuff to the back of the bunch and you probably haven't been vaccinated yet because you weren't the priority because we did it by age so yeah it's it's the policy in itself is wholly unfair and it's it should be something left to personal choice. Personally, I am double vaccinated. I got vaccinated a long time ago, but I am also somebody that suffers side effects from vaccines. So I can't be telling everybody in in the world to go run out and go get vaccinated like it wasn't something that how I had an effect on me personally, physically. So yeah, you do. If you can get vaccinated, do it. Do it just for not for you, but for other people in society. But at the same time, I understand why people are not, especially not black people, are not running to go and get double vaccinated. When it comes to medical science, we don't have the best history when it comes to how we use and how black bodies are used for medical science. Just it. Yeah, 100%. I, I totally agree with you. And that's why it should be a personal choice. Like vaccine hesitancy, 100% is impacting the black community statistically the most so far. And it's no shocker um, that is the case. Obviously, what you said, like our, our, our history with um, medical science is very, very fraught. Um, and obviously, this government is a mess. So we have every right to not trust them. And I completely understand those sentiments. The reason I personally got vaccinated um, was because you know, it is a protection thing, I think, for others. I do feel that kind of, like, social responsibility from a personal level. And also as a musician and just wanting to be able to go out and do things, like, I'm at greater risk if I'm gigging, performing, all that kind of stuff. And especially, you know, if I travel, all those kind of things as a musician, like, my life would be a lot harder if I wasn't vaccinated. So, that like, there were multiple reasons why I personally chose to, but I'm not going to force anyone to do so. But yeah, it's problematic to affect to what the government is coercing everyone to get vaccinated. And I think that is an issue and a problem. Cool. Um, so who would you like to lift up? Who is your righteous this week? I had to think about this. And you know what? Because it's topical not of the moment, I want to uplift uh, queers in the Olympics. Okay. Um, my, and my shout out is to Alana Smith, who is the first non-binary um, athlete to compete for um, Team USA. And they competed in skateboarding. And they're 20 years old and did a great job. But unfortunately, they were misgendered uh, the entire time. But shout out to them for being the first, first non-binary athlete to compete for the US. Uh, and Tom Daly for winning a medal so like why not go, go See, to both of them Tom Daly not only for winning the medal yeah but for also in his medal in the conference after his medal talking about the fact that he was an openly gay person while sitting next to um, athletes from China and athletes from Russia two countries where he couldn't actually be an openly gay man and actually compete in the Olympics so yeah but mm -hmm. I, I like the synergy of that moment and I like the fact that he used that moment so well and so eloquently to just talk about the fact that he is just a individual separate from his sexuality he's just like everybody else and he should have the right to compete for his country yeah so yeah so shouts to them because i've for me personally i i've had a problem with how tom daly has been portrayed as the poster boy for gay sports in the country and there's a slight i have slight cynicism in the how he, the media uses his story however i'm i like the fact that him as an individual uses his space wisely and knows his privilege and knows how to use his opportunities to uplift other people so power to him yeah yeah absolutely my righteous for this week is Simone Biles. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cut I from three. Yeah. It's a very brave decision for anybody to sacrifice what other people think they should be doing in a particular moment to say that for me as an individual, for my mental health, for my well-being, this is not for me. Especially when you're in a team competition, especially when we all know that every other athlete in that genre or gymnastics can't hold a touch to this girl when she is 100%, not even 100%, when she's 50%, she managed to land a vault that if she was any other person would have ended in her being injured, maybe paralyzed, could actually resulted in her death and people never going to give her the props for the fact that her level or skill level is the only thing that saved her in that moment and what she's actually going through or the twisties is a genuine thing happens to loads of gymnasts over the course of their career and it's something that you have to train out of your body and it's yes it is a mental inflection but that we all know that mental illness has a physical outcome on your body i've talked about it this on the podcast because of my own ptsd so power to you do what you need to do not every day come on this stage and perform for everybody else if you are not right in yourself you take the moment take step this take the step back and the the example that she's showing about how mental health well-being and how it affects your physical well-being is a beautiful one and it is especially in the light of how tennis has treated Naomi Osaka with her mental conditions as well. I just want to say power to you, Simone, well done. And she doesn't really need any more Olympics medals. She's got a bag of them at home. Yeah, And we all know <laughs> that she, even if she was competing, she still could not get the scores that she should be getting because they deem the fact that she is so far ahead of everybody else that her moves that she could have done illegal so that she won't get the credit scores that she should do. So you know what? Go home. It's all good. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I want to piggyback off that and just say a shout out to Naomi Osaka as well because the way that she dealt with the backlash from her withdrawing from the French Open, you know, she was super eloquent um, and she did the right thing for herself and just shout out for both these incredible women of colour just trailblazing um, and just doing the thing. So yeah, absolutely. Cool. Right. We'll be back after this break, which is basically some music and me singing a little song for you. And then we'll have the next <laughs> section today. Right. Hi everybody, welcome back. Yeah, we're back. We're still with my special guest, Blaze. And Blaze is going to now recommend something for you. It's his turn to do the recommendation. I have got only one recommendation for you because I am a child of a certain era, namely the 80s. Don't be looking for my age, yeah? Just don't be looking. All I'm is saying it 40? Mm-hmm. Is it 40? Is it 40? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not yet. This is like, you can tell that we're on a Zoom call, right? Because I would be slapping this boy right through the screen. Make sure that 40. Yeah. They still look at my beard and try to say, cool. hey, daddy, daddy. No, we are not 40. Yeah. Find yourself somebody else. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, my recommendation for this week is Masters of the Universe. On, uh, on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Yes. I, it's, good. It's, it's good. It's really, really good. And not only is it really good, it is unlike the She-Ra reboot that we had previously, 
big shout out to those mm. people that sh- rebooted the Shiro at DreamWorks. Job mm. well done, but you know, loved it. we loved it. We loved the lesbian storyline that came out. At loved it, so good. Finally, finally, we got what we wanted. But at the same time, when it came to He-Man, I wanted that vintage feel. I wanted that 80s muscle. I wanted that old school, that barbarian look. And I, But also I wanted depth and breadth to the characters. I wanted them to be filled out a little bit more. I didn't want the screenshot that we had in the 80s where he used to stand and teach you the lesson at the end of the show. Yeah, these very, very retro shows. They used to do that back in the day. Hi, kids. In today's episode, <laughs> He-Man did this. Now, what we want is a proper story, like, and we got it, yeah? Mm. So, big shout-out to that cartoon. Also, the fact that they made Castle Grayskull and Grayskull the original, like, He-Man superhero of Eternia Black with dreadlocks. I'm loving, yeah? I'm loving mm. that moment because it's a hot little picture. And maybe I'll get that on a T-shirt sometime. Anyway. Now it's time for our guest to pick something less about me and my human fantasies and more about playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, can I pick two now? Because that's just like reminding me of something else. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. when you mentioned He-Man and Netflix, I wanted to shout out, if you haven't watched it, um, Yasuke, the, last, the story of the last black, or the first, sorry, Black Samurai, which yeah. is also an animated series on Netflix. I'm huge, he's like anime geek and fan. So as soon as I saw like, anything basically black with anime and I watch um, or anything anime inspired or cartoon inspired all that kind of stuff so um, it's also a really cool miniseries um, and it's a true story it's based on real real life events of an African slave who becomes the first African um, or first samurai story of African descent also if you know anything about um, samurai culture um, uh, traditionally you have to come from basically a certain class and lineage um, in Japan. You could not, anyone can just become a samurai. Um, back in the day, you had to come from basically an upper class family uh, to become a samurai. So for this African slave to do so basically because his Lord uh, basically bent the rules because he saw um, uh, saw something special in the, in this man. Um, it's, yeah, it's a really, really cool story. So, and it's based on true events. So definitely check out Yasuke uh, on Netflix. Uh, but the actual, uh, thing that I was going to recommend is so obviously I'm a musician uh, and I want to shout out Nubia Garcia who she's an incredible woman of colour she's a saxophonist and jazz musician here based in London um, her new album Source so it was actually released last year in 2020 um, I'm sure Seb is going to provide all the details but I want to link you all to her Tiny Desk concert where she just mixes just so skillfully obviously her sax playing jazz dub um, just soul singing it's just fantastic so I want to shout out the Tiny Desk concert and her latest album, Source. That's a really good choice, people. Um, I recommended um, someone kind of in that vein, which is Leanne Lee Habers, when her album came out last year. And if you liked her time, yeah, yeah, then you will like this woman as well. Um, Also Bradley, aka Control as well. They're, mm-hmm. they're in a similar vein so if you like some of the, some of the other artists we've recommended previously and um, Bradley's sister is going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks time as well so you can get a flavour of what you're looking for and come back and let me know how you get on with it cool so now so I have a question for today we're in our final <laughs> session with today so we'll be back after this
Okay, so in today's so I have a question. Where the question that I have for Blaze is, Blaze, why did you decide that you would be the perfect person to be a cover girl for Rico? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't quite 100% work out that way uh, but there is there is a backstory so I will actually give you the whole backstory in that I actually did a campaign and was a cover model for a previous campaign for Recon um, so I actually shot something in 2019 for uh, Fetish Week 2020 which would have been July last year but the campaign actually never fully went live because obviously it had to be cancelled because of coronavirus mm-hmm. so I did an incredible photo shoot with Recon in uh, December 2019. It was really, really fun. And there were actually three cover stars and we're all um, uh, three of us promoting. Again, there are like six or seven, I think, models um, in that shoot. But they chose three cover stars uh, to uh, be basically the poster people for Fetish Week 2020. Um, And then obviously it never really saw the light of day. But they did release the photos from the campaign because they were great photos. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll send them to Seb or something. He can <laughs> link you to them because it was really, really cool. But it was just a shame that the, um, the campaign never actually went live because of coronavirus. So um, Sandy, who is, sadly now has left Recon, but um, Sandy is a friend of mine personally. He invited me back and said, look, I really want to do an, another shoot with you, but actually make it happen this time. Uh, and so, yeah, invited me. Obviously, it's the perfect story for me or uh, or any of us to take part in, because obviously the magazine, as you've already explained, um, specifically highlights men of colour and their experience within the fetish scene. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I've, I've, I have modelled for Recon before. I'm not shy in front of the camera. Um, so, yeah, let's do it. That was what happened. Cool. So as well as doing the photo shoot, there's also a video. And so the video kicks off with you talking about fetish. Like, it's actually quite nice that it's come out at this moment because recently there has been a thing about people um, complaining or having a problem with people in fetish gear at Pride events and marching in their fetish gear at Pride. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) them people. Um which I addressed on the podcast and basically said that you can go back and listen to the episode because it was the last one I did, I think. And it, But I basically said that, that it's really funny to me how people that um, in continuously promote sex without consent have a problem with people displaying their sexual identities through their clothing, especially when the one part of the gay community that I know places consent above everything else is the fetish community, which is why I'm a part of it myself, because I like a space where I have full control and access over my body and it is not deemed just as the plaything or the projection of the plaything or sexual designs for other people especially when you're black, that's important, yeah? But, so for you, why did you choose to be in a recon campaign and what was your message that you were trying to show when you were in the campaign itself? Um, yeah, I guess I wanted to be part of the campaign because like you, I'm also, I guess, would consider myself part of the fetish community here in London or I've certainly been to events. Um, and I really enjoy wearing fetish gear um, and I think the number one reason why I do it is actually I consider fetish a form of drag um, and uh, it and when I say that it's in the same way that a drag queen 
is able to assume a new identity and become a heightened and more exaggerated um, version of themselves where you know they they basically feel like they can do anything and they can just actually or almost just be who they are i feel like fetish is also another gateway to that and you know rupaul said you will but born naked and the rest is drag right and mm-hmm. fetish is literally just a form of drag it's be it's assuming an identity it's being who you want to be in that moment and um and i find it incredibly empowering to be perfectly honest um and there are not a lot of black people that necessarily um want to delve into that or enjoy that or, or think it's weird but so I think it's kind of cool to have an opportunity to speak on it from a less sexual perspective, actually, and see it more from like an identity standpoint. Um, obviously, the sex element will always be there, but often I like wearing fetish gear, not just obviously in fetish settings, but when I go out or I always like to do something cheeky and wear some mesh or something during the day because it makes me, it empowers me. It, it makes me feel more confident. It feels like, it makes me feel like a better version of myself. Um, and I think lots of people can benefit from that experience too. Yeah, I think one of the things I realised when I look back at the photo shoot is that over this pandemic, especially the lockdown, I've worn my fetish gear less and less and less and less and less. And as I've worn it less and less, I feel like part of the reason why I've had a lot of problems with my depression and my PTSD is because I haven't been able to actualize that part of myself in any way shape or form because the clubs haven't been open i haven't been able to go out i haven't been able to meet my friends i haven't been allowed in those spaces where i can be myself in my full totality which is one of the reasons why i wear um kink my and then my kink like I, I don't wear jewellery, as most people can see. I was raised seven day Adventist, so I don't wear jewellery. I don't really wear, um, yes, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> How did that turn out? <laughs> well, there was, that, there was that conversation where I told my mum and she told me that she cried because her only son was going to burn in hell. And that's another reason why I wear kink, because I was just like, well, if I'm going to be demonized or shamed for my sexuality as such, then I am going to try all the different variations of that sexuality and see where I best fit in for myself. And when I I realized very quickly that there's a bit where I told the story of me first realizing that I was gay and the kink is linked to that because I didn't see an image of a male that I've would deem as being sexually attractive until I saw someone in kink and the two things for me are not exclusive they're not separate things they're part of my gay identity and they're, they're and because of that yes people may focus on the sexuality of us dressed in kink but for me it's just a visual sign of my gayness just like, just like if you want to drape yourself in a rainbow flag and with a pink harness and wear a unicorn or wear a unicorn around your waist on pride, it is exactly the same for me. It is literally me expressing my gay self to its fullest degree and nothing else. Yeah. Yes, there can be sexual connotations on that. Yes, it can be talked about how we interact and intimacy that comes with kink sometimes, but that's not the totality of what it is for me as an individual. And that's why I chose to do the photo shoot. 
Yeah, I love that. And I also really empathise with what you're saying about feeling less like yourself. I certainly feel like because obviously I haven't had access to queer spaces um, and I've not been able to go out and I've not been able to dress up or do what I want to do, um, I felt less of my identity and less queer in a way. So like even just a small notion of me, just like I've also got my, my nails painted, I'm wearing, she's wearing a lovely lilac colour at the moment. It, you're not going to be able to see this in a podcast, obviously. Uh, but just, Instagram, just, so they can see uh, your nails. Just so <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah just small moments like just being able to just like paint my nails and go out just actually just kind of like relights that fire inside me and just helps me along in the process of reminding me who i am and um especially when i feel like i haven't been able to express myself to um you know my highest expression um recently because yeah. of coronavirus etc so yeah small moments like these always help i think yeah i went to a club night for the first time last week and i was going through my box and I was just like oh my god and there was a joy of like opening the box and spreading everything <laughs> out and like looking at like, what should I wear like I've got a pair I didn't wear my full kit because I was just like mm. up for that but at the same time in the same way someone will pick out a pendant or a piece of jewelry and I think that's the same way I pick out a harness or put on yeah. a singlet, or put on a hood, like so. This it's the same. It, for me, it's it's an accessory for an outfit in loads of particular ways. Like you'll see me out in a club, and I will have like a vest on, but at the same time, I will have a matching harness because you know, like I yeah. you feel like I'm dressed up for the occasion when I'm in some some level of kink, and it doesn't necessarily have to be rubber or leather or something that people would immediately think of as kink because I like sports mm. as well and for me there is a kink yeah that as well so it's me being able to play with my identity in different ways of different form in the same way someone will put on makeup in the same way someone will wear a wig so I understand why you say that mm. it's a form of drag for you it's just that when we push a masculine uh, aesthetic in some way shape or form people also think that we're pushing a level of patriarchy in that same aesthetic but mm, we're actually not, yeah it's mm. not about that for most of us especially for the black guys that are into kink it's not about patriarchy it's actually about uh, rebelling against it and seeing that we have our own identity and that one yes you we may be in an era where in a area or an arena where people embark in master and slave play and they talk about obedience and snm and pleasure and pain but that doesn't necessarily have to be reflected on us and also it's one of the few areas where as black people we can have total control about how people interact with us in a gay space if we don't want your attention i don't have to say it twice in a fetish club we i went out this weekend and i was with my mate and this guy came up and just put his hand on me and he was like shocked that i just said no and stepped back and i had to explain to him the reasons why that i, I don't mm. allow people to just come up and touch me yeah it's not mm. your right you don't have rights of access to my body in that way and when I'm in mm. a fetish space, I don't have to explain that to anybody. There's an understanding mm. that that happens, yeah? But mm. when I'm in a normal space, I then have to explain why it may be inappropriate for this white man to come up and just put his hands on my black skin. 
and why he chose mm. the black guy to put his hands on and that all the other white people around him that are singing and dancing and sweating in the same club that I am. Yeah. So mm. yeah. yeah, of course. So yes, as well as that, and I what I was really I've had a lot of feedback from the photo shoot that we've done from different people that are into kink. And what, for me, what was most special about that was the fact that every single person in that photo shoot was black. Yeah. Because, or a person of color, because it is, yeah, person rare, of color. it is rare that we are really pushed forward in that way. So I want you to also, I want to ask you how it's, how you have had, how people of color in the gay community have perceived your kink? Mm -hmm. What kind of feedback you got off them for being an open kink? <laughs> um, has it always been positive? Has it always been negative? Is it somewhere in between? What's it been like? Um, I don't think I've received much negative. I think like, okay, if I think about my friend circle, I think I'm certainly probably the most kinky out of them probably maybe the most out there um in my circle that i know so then when they um speak to me about it i think it's more just intrigue because i think they just don't really kind of like see it at all within as, as, as they're not into it and it's not really within their experience or their periphery so they kind of just want to know but um i also think um kink and fetish for people of colour is it is more taboo for us than white people um, and I think people feel like it's less of a space for them uh, and so that's also kind of why I like talking about it and I like being open about it because I like encouraging people to if it's something that you're interested in like it is for you too um, and I kind of liken that to just my experience as well being a classical musician as well and growing up as a violinist um, in very very white spaces and being one of the few musicians of colour there I've gone through it in many places in my life um, and you know I had to fight my ground there um, as being someone worthy of being in that space then um, I do it now um, and so in my private life as a Kingster, I also do it there too, and I advocate for it because I'm, um, I deserve to be anywhere that I choose to put myself. So, um, what would you say are your kinks? I think, like, when it comes to how you dress, how sexually, are you, are, uh, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to, but like, be as open as free as you want about it. Like, if sexually is, it, would you, like, for example, would you date someone that wasn't into kink? Is, that, is it a deal breaker for you or is it just a part of you that someone has to uh, celebrate with you? Um, it's not a deal breaker for me. So my, in terms of what I like to wear most of the time, the two things I, I, I like to wear are leather and rubber. So pretty standard, nothing, you know, too uh, like shocking there. Um, I definitely want much more rubber. I, I think rubber is super, super fucking cool. Um, but rubber is also expensive. <laughs> and like, a girl's got to eat and do other things <laughs> than buy new gear. So I have I don't have as much, many pieces as I would like, but I definitely will invest at a later stage. But like, leather and rubber are the two things that I mainly wear. In terms of deal breakers apart, no. I mean, I would want a partner that is open-minded open enough to understand it but they wouldn't necessarily need to partake or do it if that wasn't their thing, but they would, they would just need to not have a problem with me wanting to. Okay, cool. Um, and also like, 
we're two black queers that are into kink and obviously I can't really have you on this podcast without addressing one issue when it comes to fetish and the fetish community and that is the how can I put it nicely there is no nice way to put it that is the unholy stain that is race play yeah so here we go here we go yeah you can sip your tea before you answer this question yeah um for the people at home um i want you to want explain what race play is or what you what race play is when it comes in terms to you yeah and how you feel about it and also yeah just let's just start there and then we'll see where we get with the conversation okay so from my understanding race play is um, kind of enacting um, a power dynamic, well, it's an, enacting a power dynamic that is based on race um, and is usually um, a person of colour being subservient to a white master, um, predominantly that I've uh, seen from my experience, but obviously there can be different variations from that. Um, and that usually involves just basically being degraded or being in a subservient or submissive position uh, due to your race and that often comes with um, uh, consensually being called um, uh, r racist names or um, or derogatory language uh, but basically the whole fantasy um, or scene that you're acting um, in the fetish community we often call these things uh, um, as scenes um, is based on race um, from, a, from a negative standpoint. Um, do I go on and say how I feel about this or? Yeah, say how you feel. My, yeah, um, I mean, it goes without saying that it's incredibly problematic. Um, and by also... Uh, no, it doesn't. This is, what, this is what we have to say as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, look, okay. Because obviously people argue like don't kink shame and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. I do just think there is a fucking line and um, I think one, just white people that want to engage with, in race play anyway, just there's serious, you know, eyebrows raised at you for wanting to engage in that. And then also as a person of colour, there there's definitely things that you need to deal with internally to want to be treated in that way. Um, like you need to do some work internally, you need, you need some therapy, you need to search inside yourself to, to understand why you receive sexual gratification from people racially abusing you i don't get it i'm not here for it i don't subscribe to it like sis i'll pray for you but <laughs> it's it's not it and for me it's it, again it's for the people that want to engage with it you know it basically it allows them to you know, sit in their own racism and uh, affirm what they're doing or what they think is correct. And who knows what they do to people, what they say or, or how they treat people in other in other spaces. And it's just like, I just feel like condoning it is, um, or encouraging it in any way is an issue because you have no idea how it also bleeds into other areas of their lives as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard no for me, but I also, yeah, I, I don't want to say, like what yeah. people can and can't do but i will say there are issues if you want to there are issues that you should explore cool so i will say what he wants 
there, it's a hard no for me. I don't want to say what you can and can't do, but I can say what you can and can't do in my presence and around me and to me and for me in order for me to have sexual gratification. And that is not it. I have a friend called Nick that says, if you want to play, if you want to do race play, buy a scale electric because I'm not the one for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I haven't heard that one, but I like it. I like it. But also, we need to, like, so, from my point of view, I get the race play from the other side. I get the people that want to be, um, I get the white subservient people that think that I will get engaged with of their the fantasy master. of the black master mm. and the black superior or the superior black penis or superior black fuck or whatever you want to call it or however you want to play it or however you want to spit it in your head. This is still the same thing. Yeah, one, we all, one, if you don't know about how submission works in within kink play, then you kind of already know that the, the, if you don't know that the power dynamic is not what you think it is when it comes to submission and submission play. Most of the power tends to lie with the person that is receiving the, the punishment as in the sub person. So if mm -hmm. from my point of view, when you are asking me to enact race play, in that dynamic as me as a dom and you as a sam it is still the same level of <sighs> patriarchy racism that you are asking for a black person to when you're asking them to be the sub and you're asking them to be um, for you to be the white dom it is this, exactly mm. the same however you want to play this however you want to spin it however you want to justify it however you want, you want to talk it into your fantasy it is the same thing it is racism enacted in a scene for your sexual gratification and you need to ask yourself why one you're so comfortable with this level of racism one, you're so comfortable demeaning other people just because of the colour of their skin. And two, how you manage to get sexual gratification from demeaning that the person or the person in your race play. Okay, cool. I think I waited for you to come on the podcast before I brought up that subject because I've had other people in here that have been around the kink space, yeah? but no, not necessarily will have been inflicted by this particular um, virus in this way, yeah? And I know that okay. we, we both have been inflicted by it because we've had the conversation before, yeah? yeah. But we've both been inflicted by it in, from two ends of the spectrum, but actually, do you know what? It's the same fucking shitty rainbow. doesn't matter what end of the rainbow you're at when it comes to this, this mm -hmm. way, it is the same. And the outcome is the same. And the, the damage that it does to black people in our community is the same. And the, the, the damage it does to the wider gay community is the same. Yeah. So if this mm -hmm. is a, if, if this, particular thing is a barrier to other people of colour coming into kink spaces. I want to eradicate it. I want people to know that this is not what kink should be or should stand for in any way, shape or form. And that's one of the reasons why I have people that are into kink on this platform, especially people of colour, so that you know that you have the right to be in any space wherever you are and also you have the right to ownership over your body in any space that you move in which means that you can dress how you like you can move how you like you can dance how you like 
you can approach people if you like them respectfully yeah and also when you are approaching a person of color they have the right to say no and give consent to your interaction to them to your sexual needs or gratification that you want with them because it should be a mutual conversation Con like consent is not a one word or one question or one scenario sentence or it is a continuous thing we need to always say that we have continuous consent always checking in with a partner always being available to their needs always being available to the conversation which is one of the reasons why i like kink because that is part of the sexuality that is checking in with your partner understanding what they're into understanding what they like to do that is a part of the communities as well where it's not necessarily in other spaces unless we're talking about whether the person likes to be high and horny on a Saturday night or whether they have a boyfriend or a partner that they're not talking about when they're messaging <laughs> you on Grindr. Yeah. I went a little deeper than I expected it to, but you know, the question needs to be answered and the issue needs to be addressed. And I feel like on other podcasts when they've had black kinksters, they don't really address this issue. They like to skirt around it. But me and you, we talk, so I thought, yeah, you'll be the person to yeah. Yeah, won't shy away from bringing it up. Yeah. Right. Thank you very much for coming on today. Um, the only question that I have left for you in terms of the photo shoot you did was, obviously, it's out there in the world and other black people are going to see it, yeah? So you're leaving a little bit of a legacy. So what would you like other black kinksters, yeah, when they see the video, when they open the magazine, what would you like for them to get out of the magazine as it is now? I think just for them to know that it's for them if, um, if they want to, if they want to explore, if they want to find out more about themselves, if they want to try something new, that it is a space that they are welcome in, in, welcome in and can enjoy for themselves. And if they want to jump in, they can do it. They just need to, I mean, the information's out there. Everything is on Miss Google. You can find, <laughs> she provides all the information you need. So it's just like, yeah, just jump in if you want to. Like start small, obviously everyone like maybe buys a little bit of a harness. And then, you know, I, I certainly start, I bought like some like tatty discounted <laughs> harness from Prowler. That was like my first piece ever, but like, I loved it. Um, and I actually put it on in preparation for this today. I was like, what can I wear? <laughs> um, I, I tried my first harness on, but I still have. What colour was it? It's black and it's like an asymmetric one that goes over my shoulder. It's really cute. Okay, cool. So this is the thing, right? You can always normally tell the person's like when they've got their first level of rubber harness, because it's never a standardised one. It's always like an off-shoulder or a different colour because you always start with the mm. ones in the bargain base in first. So if you <laughs> like it and if you see it still, yeah. like, when you go into the shop like, and they know you're, like, you're new, they're like, hey, this one's half price. Try these ones on first. And then there's a moment when you put it on and your eyes light up and you're just like, oh yeah, this is it. So for, for me, it was, they always used to try to get me to put on the leather vests and stuff, which were cute. Mm. And they look cool on me because of my body shape but it wasn't my thing. And literally, as mm. soon as I tried on the rubber, I was just like, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. She has a it's, cool. it's 
Yeah, she is alright. And you know, it's just the way that latex and rubber feels on your skin. Like you do, it's just you feel like a superhero when you wear yeah. it. You just, it's just such a, a incredible feeling. I can't really describe it um, in words. It's just a sensation that it just brings to your whole body. Like you just feel a sense of pride, power, energy. I, I don't really know how to describe it, but like all of these things, all these buzzwords like come to mind. It's just, yeah, I, I imagine myself like in a Marvel. But like a cinematic film <laughs> like when I when I whenever I wear like rubber I love it yeah see with me whenever I wear rubber it's like I feel like I'm bishop or missionary or storm or um any one of the Wakandas and um, people because mm. like I'm just it's it's my home like but for the first piece of um fetish gear that I got I it was <laughs> it was a red harness and I gave it to my friend because <laughs> it was like, I don't know when I first got my first rubber harness I specifically chose one with a ring in the front of it because there was mm. a magazine there was a like a comic book called The Coven and the black mm. one in that thing wore a harness with a, a ring in the front of it so I was just like what mm. that one what that mm. and then also I realised later on this is going off on tangent, but there was a TV show called Farscape back in the day. Okay. And I realised very soon, quickly into getting into kink, that that show is probably the reason why I'm into kink. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> because they had the, the most of the bad guys in it. That and Charmed. Charmed and... Um, Hercules as well back in from back in the day mm. because all the bad guys used to wear all the people with power all the bad guys all used to wear black rubber outfits or long black trench coats and stuff like that like mm -hmm. so yeah that's where it comes from just a question then on that do you often when you do working do you feel like in your mind you assume in your identity or is it just you add adding an accessory to your body you move differently totally in my kink yeah i am um, depends yeah depends on the, the space as well yeah but like for me like and also it depends on the level of dress you're in so like if i mean like a rubber harness and a rubber jock and rubber boots that to me is not really full kink that's more like me doing my disco kink. Like, it's me just having yeah. a, kind of a party. Like, when you see me in my, like, tit fascia best and my full, like, black leggings, like, or, or with my mask on or something, or my elbow like gloves, then there's, there's a ritual that goes into dressing completely. That means that mm. you move different, you feel different in them, you feel empowered. So, yeah, it, and often... I know that it sounds weird, is that when I'm in full kink, I don't actually speak a lot. Mm. I, yeah, you, you know, you've seen me move around the clubs. <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I don't speak a lot. I just literally, I, I'm in my, in my element, so I don't really feel like I need to, like, a lot, unless mm. I'm, like, having a conversation with someone that I know. I kind of tend to be silent, and I tend to observe a lot of people, because I don't need... To, for me, it's I work in a space all the time where I am communicating, conversating all the time. And it's nice to be in a space where I don't have to verbally communicate all the time. I can communicate with how I move, how I stand, how I feel, 
I can communicate with non-verbally and it's taken on, I don't have to actually, it, I can limit or open people coming into my space without having to say welcome just by gesture. Mm-hmm. That's why one of the reasons why I like it. Cool. Can I ask you another question? Yeah, yeah go on. Um, is there a piece of gear or King Kong fetch that you haven't explored yet that you want to? That I haven't explored yet that I want to? Yeah, because for me personally, I really, really want a wrestling simulator now. <laughs> I haven't got one yet. I um, have. I really. I yeah. one of those recently. Yeah, I really want a wrestling thing. I've just been, there's a few, obviously I've followed loads of Kingsters and I've just been seeing it recently and I'm just like, do you know what, that's something I really need to try. So I really want to get a wrestling thing. What fabric though? Um, like a, not latex, um, what's it called, fuck? Spandex. I'm shit, I'm on, spandex, yeah. Okay, cool. So I have three, no, that's a lie. I have Three of the same spandex singlet from a particular store, um, mainly because I really fancied the manager of the store. So I used to go in the store all the time trying to. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. And I was like, whatever. And then, um, so I had those, and then I had the random ones that you get like on um, on Amazon, where you just type in men's singlets and they just come up randomly so I have that the ones that look more like a swimming costume with a singlet top and stuff like that so I've got a couple of those as well and then I had over summer I had a wrestling singlet specially made for me really in full latex yeah so I went to the shop Mm. and I got their wrestling singlet adapted so it actually comes down to my knees and it has a black and white, it's all black with a white strap at the side and it has button fronts over the jock strap and then it has um, adjustable straps either side. I wore it for Halloween and I felt like about this bitch. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, literally, I literally went to the shop and was like here and I took a picture of Bane from um, Batman but not the the film version mm-hmm. of Bane, the proper DC comic book, Jim Lee Bane. Mm-hmm. was actually a, a Spanish wrestling outfit and got it made into latex. Mm-hmm. So that is the mask that I'm wearing in the photo shoot, is the black and white one. Yeah, yeah. Specifically made for that outfit. So yeah. Um, Amazing. Yeah. What, anything other questions you want to ask me? Because it's quite nice. So I've not been the one to ask the question. Uh, no, it's just like it's nice to also just like engage with another black person about King Converge. So it's just a nice opportunity to have a conversation. Yeah, because yeah, it, no, I think that mainly covers it. It is a thing that when we go out to a club, there's like eight or nine of us that I see on a regular basis, and then every so often mm. we'll see another one pop up, mainly with his partner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Then like, oh, hey, girl, you're new. <laughs> Welcome to the <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the coven. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, for me, it's one of those things where my friends, when when I first told my friends, they were like, tried to slat shame me a little bit, but over a period of time, they've got used to me being into cake, and it's just that's just what he's into, sort of thing. And mm. like, 
because you know that thing where people are trying to set you up because you're single and they, before they would always try to set me up with a nice normal boy and now they, they, <laughs> they know from the jump like no 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 it's vanilla for Seb like we'll have yeah. to find someone a bit more into fetish for you I was like cool we've got progress yeah 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 so Blaze, can you do me a favor, please? Well, I like to end the podcast by people telling everybody where they can find them and so so what social media handles you have and where people can find you if they want to follow you on social media. Sure. Um, uh, the main uh, what's it called social media platform I use is Instagram. So you can just find me Blaze Henry underscore B L A I Z E Henry underscore is my handle there um, and i'm on twitter as well but though i don't really use it so <laughs> i mean i'm at blaze henry on twitter if you want to tweet me that's fine i may not reply for another couple of weeks but <laughs> my twitter is there too cool have you got the video they have the the video and the images from the photo shoot up on your instagram I don't actually, so that is a problem I need to post it. So and the reason why also, because Sandy only, I was messaging Sandy last night um, and because I wanted to get all the BTS stuff that he yeah. took of me when I was taking the shoot as well yeah. for the post. So now that I've got it, I will post it ASAP. Cool, cool, cool. Right, so you can go on his Instagram and see all the behind the scenes stuff as well. Um, you can see a couple of my shoots on the Instagram, but I will post the photos that they sent me to do the promo for the shoot on the front page, Instagram page, so you can see that as well. Um, thank you very much for coming on. No worries, thank you for having me. Um, so that's been the front room for this week and I will see you, you'll hear me same time next week. Peace and love people.